get our Bibles out this morning. We're going to be in Mark chapter 1. Looking at the miracle this morning of Jesus healing Peter's mother-in-law. A mother-in-law miracle. Some of you have prayed for mother-in-law miracles. We're going to get there in a little bit. Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 29. I'm going to read a few verses of Mark 1 in just a minute, but realize as we're looking at the miracles of Jesus, this miracle is in three Gospels, but it's a maximum of three verses. In fact, Mark has the most detail with three verses. It's, it's in some ways a very short, quick-to-the-point miracle. Uh, I'm going to read you the text in just a minute, but before I do, realize we're dealing with a miracle here where Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. Now, I don't know about you, but when you hear mother-in-law, if you are a mother-in-law, sometimes mother-in-laws get a bad rap. Anybody agree with that? Amen. Now, if you preach back to me, it's going to help. It'll it'll go faster, okay? So sometimes mother-in-laws are, uh, I have a beautiful, wonderful mother-in-law. My wife does too. She told me I could say that. And, uh, you know, but mother-in-laws can be, you know, meddling in marriages and getting in situations. And here's Peter's mother-in-law. Jesus goes to the house and realize, you know, they've said before that only Adam and Eve had the perfect marriage because neither of them had a mother-in-law. And if you think about that for a second, there was a man one time who's, he planned for a long time to take his wife to the Holy Land. He saved his money, he booked the trip, but when he booked the trip, his mother-in-law insisted that she go with them. Now, the wife wouldn't back down, the mother-in-law wouldn't back down, so the three of them head off to the Holy Land. And as soon as they get there, and as soon as they're in the Holy Land, the mother-in-law passes away. Now, uh, some of you think this is a true story, so take it easy there. But uh, as the mother-in-law passes away, the funeral director comes and says, look, I'm sorry about your loss. We can ship her home to America for $5,000, or we can give her a beautiful burial here in the Holy Land for $150. And the man says, ship her home. And the funeral director says, what? He goes, listen, 2,000 years ago, they buried a guy here, and on the third day, he rose again, <laughs> and I'm not taking any chances. Peter's mother-in-law. Do you realize Peter's mother-in-law? Peter was a handful. Peter was the guy that Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. I don't know what kind of mother-in-law he had or what kind of relationship he had with her, but this is an interesting miracle. And the biggest description of it that we get is in Mark 1 here, and it's only three verses. Listen to this. And immediately, remember, Mark is fast-paced, action-packed. Everything is immediately. And immediately after they left the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever, and they immediately spoke to Jesus about her. And he came to her and raised her up, taking her hand. Luke 4 says that he rebuked the fever, and the fever left her, and she served them. So a quick little miracle here that Jesus does. And you might think, you know, this is only three verses. This is not a miracle. It's a miracle et. It's not worth looking at. But there's some powerful things happening here. As Jesus heals the mother-in-law of a fever, you might think, you know, this wasn't a a big, you know, miracle with a big situation. It wasn't like Jesus healing leprosy or paralysis or blind eyes being opened or some serious fatal disease. It was just a fever. Now, think about that. If we get a fever, what do we do? 
Call for the elders. Call a special meeting of the church. Call the No, we take an aspirin. We take an Advil. Some of you look at me like you don't know what Advil is. You say, well, how is this a miracle? Well, it is a miracle, and it, it suggests a lot of things to us that, yeah, it's only three verses. Yeah, it, it might seem trivial in that it's just a fever. But the point of this is this. We need the kind of relationship with Jesus that we can trust him to heal our big issues and our little issues. Come on, we think, well, if it's too big for the doctors, if there's nothing that modern medicine can do, if, you know, there's the specialist said they don't know what's wrong, then we can go to Jesus. No, it's not just the big issues. It's not just the monumental things. It's not just the things that we think we can't handle that we need to bring to the Lord. We need to bring all our issues to the Lord, amen? Jesus takes the time. Now, this was the guy who calmed stormy seas, who raised the dead, who cleansed lepers, and he takes the time to rebuke a fever and heal a woman who's lying sick. And it suggests to us that God is interested in every aspect of our lives. Do you have little problems that you haven't brought to the Lord and you're constantly struggling with them and sometimes these little problems turn into big problems? I want to encourage you today. The Lord wants to heal us of all our issues. But we've got to have the kind of relationship that we can bring them to the Lord. Now, I'm so thankful for modern medicine. I'm so thankful for, you know, what we have. It's amazing the day and age we live in, what can be done uh, with our bodies through medical science. How many are thankful for what God has given us in doctors? Amen. Let's put our hands together and thank God. You know, if you look at what other people and other gener generations went through, there's things that would have killed you then that now is an in-office procedure. It's amazing. I'm amazed by it. You don't look amazed, but praise God. My, you know, my grandmother had a quadruple bypass surgery or something. At one time, it was a major thing that she didn't survive from it. Now they can do things in the, in the office, put stints in your heart and all that stuff, and you walk out, and, and you can go eat pizza. I like that part. And it's just, it's just amazing. I'm thankful for that. And God has blessed us with that, and God is behind that, Amen. But listen to me, God never intended for us to run to man to be our healer. He always intended to be our healer. He is the great physician, amen? Yes, take the Advil. Yes, take the Tylenol. Yes, take the antibiotics. But ask God to be your healer. He wants to have that kind of relationship with us that we run to him first. Now, in 2 Chronicles 16, we see a guy named Asa, and he has an interesting situation in his life. He was a king in Israel, and this is what 2 Chronicles 16:11 says about Asa. Now, the acts of Asa from the first to the last, behold, they are written in the book of kings of Judah and Israel. Verse 12, in the 39th year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet. His disease was severe. Yet even in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. So Asa lay down with his fathers and died in the 41st year of his reign. Now, basically, you have a guy here who's a king in Israel, but doesn't have a relationship with God. And when he gets sick, he doesn't run to God. In fact, usually when you're sick, it'll humble you enough that you'll run to God even if you don't know God. Yet this guy, Asa, wouldn't go to God. He went to the physicians, and in the end, the disease cost him his life. Now, I don't want to get too graphic, but you know the guy's name, right? And that's the way he acts. 
We need to run to God and not be so stubborn and not be so proud and not be so, well, it's just a little thing. I'll take care of it myself. Look, even in if the disease was serious, wouldn't go to God. I'll go to the doctors. I don't need God. You and I need God. We need him for the big things and we need him for the little things, amen? We need him for the things we can't handle and for the things we think we can handle. We need to humble ourselves and run to him. The backstory to this miracle is very important. Mark starts off by giving the backstory. It says, and immediately after they left the synagogue. So I want you to see how this miracle starts here. They're leaving church. Here's Jesus who is, you know, God with us. He's Emmanuel. He is the head of the church, yet he's leaving the synagogue. Why? Because he and his disciples frequented the house of God. And I want you to get that here today. You know, I'm going to say some things about this. Jesus was always in the synagogue. You think, well, you know, why does he have to go there? And those guys didn't even like him, and the Jews are always arguing with him. But no, he made it a habit. He made it something that was commonplace that he and his disciples went to the house of God. And that's the backstory of this miracle here. Now, it's not an anomaly. It wasn't a lucky coincidence. It was a common occurrence. Jesus and his disciples practiced going into the house of God consistently. Now, I want to say something. Miracles can happen anywhere. Miracles can happen at work. They can happen in your car on the way to work. They can happen in the prayer closet. Miracles can happen on the street. We prayed for people, laid hands on them in the middle of New York City on the street and had the Holy Spirit touch them and God heal bodies and save souls. Listen, miracles can happen anywhere. But miracles consistently and always happen in the house of God. And that's what we need to understand. Those who frequent the house of God see the miracles, walk in the miracles, and experience the miracles of God. You hear about miracles in other people's lives. Why? Because in the house of God, that's where miracles take place. Because when we reverence God's presence and we obey his word to not forsake forsake the assembling of ourselves together, when we obey the command to keep the Sabbath holy and we go routinely into the presence of God as Jesus and his disciples did, we position ourselves to experience miracles because that obedience to God unlocks a blessing in our lives. So I want to encourage you today. Just because you're here today, just because you're obedient to his word and in his presence, you've positioned yourself for a miracle to take place in your life. Man, I wish somebody get excited today. The backstory is important. They're coming from church, and they're, they're leaving the presence of God, and they've done it routinely. And I want to say something. Unless a person is physically sick who has serious social anxiety and has a real hard time being in church, believers should attend church weekly. We should honor the Sabbath. We should honor the the time where we get together as the body of Christ. Why? Because it's important that we be here. Amen. And I want to tell you something. It's not as much fun without you. I've preached to empty rooms. I've preached to just the chairs. It's more fun when you're here. And you know, when we come in the presence of God and worship together, something takes place. We come in the presence of God and the word goes forth in the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Something takes place. Miracles happen in the house of God. Now, I know there's people who are sick and can't get here, and there's people who are shut-ins, and we need to minister to them as well. 
But if you're healthy and you're able body, then you should be in church. And if you're not in church, that's disobedience and it's sin. It's sin to just say, well, I'm going to do other things on the Lord's Day. I'm going to do other things with my time. And we don't give a place for God in our lives. Let's consider the points of Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. I begin to cite this a little bit. It instructs us to come together as the body of Christ. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much more as we see the day approaching. So the word of God is telling us we need to come together and and be the body of Christ and fellowship together and have church together. Why? Because it stirs up love and good works in us. You see, you you can't, you, you know, sometimes when you're alone or you're just by yourself or you're at home, it's hard to stir some things up in your life, amen? But yet when you come into the house of God, surrounded by your brothers and sisters, in the presence of God and the Holy Spirit's moving, come on, somebody, and the Holy Ghost is moving, it's easy to have something stirred up in your heart. Now you say, well, that's emotionalism. No, it's not. It's a move of God. It's what the word of God promises will happen when we're here that will be stirred up to love and good works. You know, well, well, I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like getting up. Sunday's my only day to sleep in. Sunday's my fun day. It's not your fun day. It's the Lord's day. It's the day that we get together and honor the Lord and give him his place in our lives. Something happens, man. There's times I've come in here just beat up and worn down and carrying lots of burdens. And I have to, if you could see me in the spiritual realm, I'm just dragging myself up to the pulpit here. But by the time I'm done preaching, by the time I'm done teaching, by the time I'm done using what God put in me, I'm blessed and I I have peace and there's love in my heart, amen? There's been times where I've been up here sick. There's times I've had a fever. I had a flu, and I said, no, I'm I'm not staying home. I'm going to come and preach what God put in my heart. And by the time I was done, I was healed. There was no more sickness in me. Stir us up to love and good works. Coming to church protects us from the deception of the world and the darkness and the evil that's out there. Listen, this is our outlet. This is our haven where we come to hear truth and be refreshed and get courage and hope and strength. If you and I stay out of the house of God for months at a time, we're going to get worn down. We're going to get weak. We're going to get deceived by the enemy. The darkness becomes normal. Why? Because we've not frequented the light. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I'm here today. Maybe God had to make me a pastor, so I had to come to church. I don't know. (laughs) But the disciples and Jesus frequented the house of God. They were in the presence of God, and there was a few leaps of faith that had to take place here for this miracle to happen. The point of being a Christian is not that we would just experience the presence and the power of God within the four walls of the church, but that we would experience the power and the presence of God in our daily routine. Now, I just spent the better part of 10 minutes encouraging you that we should be in church. And yes, we should be. But if the only time we experience the power and presence of God is in church, something is wrong with our Christian walk. 
God never intended it to be a place where we come to get our fix and then we go back out in the world and we're, you know, we don't have the power, we don't have his presence, we, we're just kind of trying to survive till the next time there's church service. No, there's more to it than that. Yes, there's a special dynamic that takes place in corporate worship. Yes, there's a synergy that comes from us being in unity together and worshiping together and hearing the word together. But listen, you and I need to carry the power and presence of God out of this place into the dark, into the world. There were three leaps of faith that happened in the disciples' lives here that allowed this miracle to take place. Number one, this was the first thing that they did right. They brought Jesus home with them. They're in church. They left church. They didn't say, see you, Jesus, going home, going to take one of them Pentecostal naps. No, Jesus, see you at the diner. I'll meet you at the diner. Save you a seat at the diner. No, they took Jesus home with them. These guys literally took Jesus home. Hey, Mom, we're home. Jesus is here. Oh, I should have cleaned. I should have cleaned. They took Jesus home with them. Now, every one of us who's a believer has Jesus in us. Christ in me, the hope of glory. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. If you've accepted Jesus as your Savior and Lord, the Holy Ghost is in you. When I was a young person, I used to listen to the preaching at church. The preacher, you know, many times would remind us as young people, everywhere you go, young man, you bring Jesus with you. That'll sober you up when you're young, right? Bring Jesus here, bring Jesus there, bring Jesus to the party, bring Jesus to the bar, bring Jesus to the club. (laughs) That'll sober you up a little bit, right? But the truth is he's in us, he's with us. The Bible says we can do things to grieve the Holy Spirit. When you bring him to a place where he just doesn't fit in with that crowd, you know, we grieve the Holy Spirit. Yet these guys literally brought Jesus home with them. Yes, Jesus is with us in church, but the reason Jesus is with us in church is because all of us bring a piece of him with us when we come. You you didn't think he was just hanging out here, hovering around on the altar, just waiting for all y'all to get here, right? He was like, wow, I can't wait. It's almost Sunday. They're all going to show up. Hi, everybody's here. No, we bring Jesus with us to church. Amen. The reason there's a move of God in here, the reason that the Holy Spirit moves in here, because we bring Christ with us when we come. We bring the Holy Spirit with us when we come, and that synergy takes place, and the Spirit of God moves in our midst. We've got to realize this. They brought Jesus home. Now, you could take a beautiful building, and you could call it a house of worship. You could fill it with a large crowd of unconverted people who don't know Jesus, and I don't care how nice the music is, how smooth the preaching is, or how entertaining the service is, Jesus has no obligation to be there. In fact, we've all walked into houses of worship where they didn't preach salvation, and they didn't preach the word of God, and there was no move of the Holy Spirit, and I've walked in, you've walked in, and you feel it right away. Wow, it's dry here. Nobody gets convicted. Nobody gets saved. Nobody responds to the gospel. Nobody gets healed. The church of the holy nobody. Nobody. Nothing going on. What is that? Why is that? It's a beautiful building. It's got stained glass windows. It's got robes and smoke and mirrors and all kinds of religious ceremonial things. But there's no presence of God there. And you and I who are filled with the Holy Ghost can feel it immediately. 
We bring Jesus to church with us. We bring the Holy Spirit with us. They brought Jesus home with them. I want to encourage you today, when this message is done, when this anointing is over and we walk out of here today, don't leave Jesus at church today. Take him home with you, amen? Take him home with you. You could have a building full of unbelievers, a beautiful building, beautiful choir, slick, smooth preaching, no presence of God. Yet Matthew 18, 19 says, and again, I say to you, if any two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Amen. He's here today. He's here today. He's here today. So they brought Jesus home with them. You bring Jesus home with you, amen? The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. The same Jesus at Full Gospel Center is in you and with you and belongs in your home. Number two, the second thing they did, the second leap of faith that allowed this miracle to happen in their home was this, that they believed. You say, well, what did they believe? Faith is always a vital component in miracles. Without faith, there's no miracles, amen? God doesn't move well without faith. Jesus went into areas where they said, who is this? Isn't this the carpenter's son? And they had to shake the dust off their sandals. Not many miracles took place. Why? Faith is the catalyst to miracles. Faith is the currency of heaven. Faith is the component that allows miracles to happen. These disciples exercised their faith. They believed. Well, what did they believe in? Listen to this. They believed what happened in God's house could happen in their house. Come on, you got to get this today. Too many of you are just looking at me. They believed what happened in God's house could happen in their house. You see, oh, sure, we can come to church, we can have a time, and we can worship, and then we can pray for people, and they get healed, and we can hear the word, and we can get set free, but then we go home. You ever walk out of church and go home, and man, home doesn't feel like church. Come on, let's just be honest sometimes. There's times where our home can carry a rich presence of, the God, of God and the, and, the, and the power of God is there and we got Christian music playing and the atmosphere's changed. Come on. But sometimes we can walk into home and go, because we need to do the things that it takes to bring Jesus home with us, to carry the presence of God and make our homes a habitation for the Holy Spirit. These guys believed Oh, no, we don't have to run back to the synagogue. No, we don't have to call for the elders. No, we don't have to get the pastor. We don't have to, you know, get the Holy Ghost olive oil out and, and pour it on some people and just run. No, we can do what happens in God's house can happen in our house. Amen. You got to get this. Come on. I don't, I, I'm feeling it bounce on me. I'm like a shark. I smell blood. I'm coming. I don't just come to church and have the pastor do it. No, God wants to produce mature believers out of you, amen. He wants to produce mature Christians, not babies that have to run. Ah, oh, pastor, I got a hangnail. Well, pray for yourself. Oh, help me, Jesus. What happened in God's house could happen in their house. By faith, the power of God was displayed in Peter's home. Yeah, they brought Jesus home with them. That was the first step. Bring Jesus home with you today. But if you believe that Jesus is with you and he's in you, listen to Romans 8.11. 
But if the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also quicken your mortal body through the spirit that dwells in you. Come on. It's the same Holy Ghost in you. When you brought him to church, you take him home with you. You have the same power, the same authority, the same victory that comes through the cross. Not just here, but in your home. Not just here, but in your daily living. Not just here, but at work, on the street, in the cubicle, in the office, on the train, wherever you're at. We carry the Holy Spirit with us. We carry Christ in us. The power and presence of God go with us wherever we go. You don't always have to run to the church, look for the pastor, look for the elders, not in every situation or circumstance. Exercise your faith. Use your spiritual authority. You're a blood-bought child of God. You can rebuke the enemy. You can bind the enemy. You can loose the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Oh, help us, Lord. I shouldn't feel like I'm selling pork chops to the rabbi right now. You should, be, you should be saying amen. Amen. I'm all those things you said because the word says so, amen. I, I have the power to bind and loose. I can rebuke devils. I can cast out unclean spirits. I can pray for the sick and watch them get healed. <laughs> well, help us, Lord, increase our faith. This, is, this point's all about faith. It's all about belief. Well, I don't believe I can do that. Then you'll get what you believe for. But if you dare to believe what the word says and who you are in Christ and take the authority that Jesus has given you and you believe the word and you begin to walk out the word and preach the word and take authority and bind and loose and pray and watch God change your situation. Come on, I'm not playing this morning. This is not a game. This is not a game this morning. We're not playing church. We're not defeated. We're we're the children of God this morning. We've forgotten who we are. We've forgotten the authority we have. Come on this morning. Amen. You see, if the enemy can get us to forget, he can take advantage of us then our relationships fall apart and our families fall apart and our marriages fall apart and our finances fall apart. And the devil takes advantage of us because we don't know who we are in Christ. They brought Jesus home with them. They believed that what happened in church could happen in their homes. Exercise your faith today. Believe what God says about you. The last point here is so simple I struggled with making it a point. But it's exactly what we need. Yeah, they brought Jesus home with them, literally in their case. They believed what happened in church could happen in their home. And number three, the third leap of faith that allowed this miracle to happen was that they asked Jesus for his intervention. They asked Jesus to help. How many times, man, we are in a mess, we are in trouble, we're in over our heads, we, we did the numbers, we crunched them, we can't pay the bills, you know, and, and we just, well, I'll, I'll tough it out, I'll move some things around, I'll fix this myself. And the Bible says we have not because we ask not. It says, Mark, there, Mark, Mr. Immediately, he says, then immediately they spoke to Jesus about her. So what did they do? They brought Jesus the problem. They brought the issue before the Lord, and they asked for his help. Many of us don't like to ask for help. 
Many of us don't like being asked to help. You know, some of us put our heads down and make a beeline for the door before somebody signs us up for something. Come on, right? I'm busy. I got too much. I got too many problems. Please don't look at me. Don't ask me. Don't sign me up. Some of you won't look at me at all right now. I'm human too, amen? But, you know, we don't like to ask for help. We don't like to, you know ask people to help us. It seems like a burden. You know, Bill Schultz in his book, Bits and Pieces, tells a story of a three-year-old girl who called downstairs for her mother's help in getting undressed at the end of the day. Her mother was busy cooking dinner and doing so many things. She yelled back up the stairs, you know how to undress yourself. And the child answered with the profound wisdom that only a child can have and said, yes, mom, I know, but sometimes people need help anyway, even if they know how to do it themselves. We need Jesus's help. Well, no, pastor, you don't understand. I'm mature. I've been around. I've been sitting in church. I got good teaching. I got a big, thick Bible. It's all underlined, and I, it's, it's in King James, and I can still understand it. I don't need help. I got this figured out. I don't want to bother the Lord with it. I don't want to bring this little thing. Come on. Pastor Rick, it's just a fever, Jesus. You know, Jesus is going to heal a fever here. There's lepers out there. There's blind people out there. There's crippled out there. Well, I'm not going to bring this little thing to the Lord. I'll do it myself. He's concerned about every issue in our life. He's concerned about the things we think we can't handle, but he's concerned about the things that we think we can handle. We've got to bring him into the situation. We've got to believe and exercise our faith, and then we have to ask him to help. Yeah, we might think we know how to do it ourselves, but Jesus is waiting for us to ask him anyway. Jesus, help me with this. Help me with this problem. Help me with this attitude. Help me with this financial issue. Help me with discipline. Help me with this sin. Help me, Lord. Humbly asking for Jesus' help out of the genuine relationship with him is how miracles happen. It takes a little humility. A lot of us treat approaching God and asking for help the same way we would treat approaching a cheap boss and asking for a raise. If you ever needed a raise and had a cheap boss that was, you know, kind of ornery, you know the, the situation. The last thing you want to do is go into that office and ask for a raise. In fact, there was a man who was really in need and apprehensive about asking his cheap boss for a raise, but he mustered up the courage because of the dire financial situation he'd gotten himself into. He, had, he requested the raise, and immediately it did not go well. The boss got irate and started making all kinds of excuses about the economy and inflation and regulations and a poor market. The boss wasn't budging until the employee told him that he had three other companies who were constantly after him, not wanting to lose a, an employee that was productive and loyal. The cheap boss grudgingly agreed to a 5% a raise. As the man was quickly leaving the office, the boss said, just out of curiosity, what are the three companies that are always after you? He said, the electric company, the oil company, and the gas company. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you got to work it a little. But we shouldn't treat God like that. 
oh, I don't want to go to God. He's had it with me. I ask all the time. I'm a mess. I, me- I made this mess myself. I should clean it up myself. I, I don't want to go to God. You know, he's got a lot of other things to deal with. He's not going to, you know, listen to me. That's all false. He's a good, good father. He's a loving father. He, he's like what we sang about this morning, amen? He loves us. He wants to bless us. He wants to help us. He's just waiting for us to ask. Mm. Some people feel that they can't go to God, and the enemy loves to reinforce that, but you and I should run to him, even with the little issues. We should run to him in sickness and in health, whatever we're going through, whether we think we can handle it or not, we should run to him and ask him to intervene in our situation. I close with this. We should never be afraid to ask God for kingdom things. Oh, God, I want a Mercedes. Yeah, save that prayer. It's too expensive to fix. Get another car. But Luke 12, 21 through 22 says this. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's the God we serve this morning. It's our father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Oh, I don't want to ask that. I don't want to, you know, no, no. Your, your heavenly father wants to bless you, wants to get you out of the mess, wants to get you out of trouble, wants to give you the desires of your hearts. But we've just got to ask. We have got to humble ourselves and to ask. Bring Jesus home with you. Exercise your faith and believe that what happens here can happen at home. And then ask Jesus for what you need and watch miracles begin to take place all around you. Amen. Let's bow our heads today. Just three verses, but so many powerful principles. God willing, next week we'll finish it up. And there's a lot more in here in these three verses that we're going to look at. But for this week, I want you to take Jesus home with you. I want you to exercise your faith and your spiritual authority to believe who you are in Christ. You're a child of God. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. You have Christ in you, the hope of glory. You have access to the presence of God. He hears your cries and he hears your prayers. So avail yourself of that privilege and ask him to meet your need, great or small, to solve your issue, great or small. Humble yourself and involve God and miracles will happen. Father, we thank you this morning for this three-verse miracle for this short miracle that seems inconsequential as Jesus heals a fever. Father, I pray that we would have the kind of relationship with you to believe you to solve our big issues and our little issues. And I pray for each one within the sound of my voice this morning that whatever we're struggling with, we would bring it to Jesus and ask for his intervention. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Give him praise this morning.